Good morning. Years ago, many years ago, uh, Wayne Bell, a friend of mine, a dear believer here in uh, Murfreesboro, uh, started encouraging me to think about going to the Holy Land. He said, oh, Ron, you, you and Ron, you got to go. And, uh, and when you go, make sure that you do your best to get in on a trip led by Dr. Charlie Dyer. Wayne and Barbara Belt have been on many trips led by Dr. Dyer, and, and he, he assured me he's a great Bible teacher. He understands. He's been there over 100 times leading tours. And so this last year, 2018, Ron and I were blessed with the opportunity of being able to go to the Holy Land, and Dr. Charlie Dyer was the tour leader. He was such a blessing. And we got to know him a little bit. And he has a podcast every week called The Land and the Book, which is just a tremendous uh, resource. And uh, I try to listen to that every single week. And so we had a great time. Also, the Lord gave us a little side blessing, a side bonus. Wayne and Barbara Belt got to go on that trip uh, with us as well. So that was such a treat. In preparation for that trip, uh, Dr. Dyer sent us a book. And it's called The Christian Traveler's guide to the Holy Land, and so Rhonda was much better at this than I was, but Rhonda started uh, reading about the places that we were going to and looking at the maps and studying the maps, and, and this guidebook really helped us when we were on the trip. I remember flying in to Tel Aviv, and so we're coming in, and, and we're several thousand feet above the Mediterranean, and we're catching our first glimpse of Israel as we came in. And we could see some of the cities. We could see Tel Aviv, which is a booming city. Uh, I counted over 20 cranes um, above the city of Tel Aviv as we came in. There's tremendous growth there. But I remember seeing the Mediterranean. I remember seeing Caesarea Maritime from the air. I remember seeing Ashdod, some of the other, of course, Tel Aviv. And I remember this, that it was so great to be able to see from this height, from this height, this point, to be able to see what the land looked like. Because it wasn't long before we landed. And then for about a week and a half, two weeks, we were in the land experiencing some of those very sights that we had seen from the air, Tel Aviv, Ashdod, Caesarea Maritime. And today's message is a little bit unusual uh, for us. Normally we have a book of the Bible, a passage of Scripture that we're moving through, a book of the Bible. We have taught all the way through, we have preached all the way through the book of John, the book of Mark. We preached through a lot of the Psalms, James uh, and Titus and uh, other books of the Bible. Today is more of a 10,000 foot aerial view of Isaiah as we're about to land in the land of Isaiah the land of Israel, and like Dr. Dyer prepared this for us, uh, Brother Ken and I have prepared this guidebook for you, and I want you, everybody should have one of these, and if you don't have one, please let me know, we'll get one to you here, raise your hand if you don't, if you don't have one, so there's one, two, so, and uh, I would like for everyone 
to have their own personal, Brother Ken and I would like for everyone to have their own personal copy of this seeing Christ in Isaiah. And I hope that you will uh, walk through this with me here just for a few minutes as we, before the message begins. But put your name on the cover um, because there's going to be a lot of these floating around. And so put your name on the front cover. Um, then on the inside page here, I would encourage you to put 2019, put the year that we're in. Um, Lord willing, years from now, when you come across your Isaiah journal, you will remember. We studied that together at Blackman Baptist Church, and the Lord was so good, and He showed us so many things about His goodness and His mighty power. And then if you'll keep name on the cover, 2019 in here, to remind you. And then if you'll turn to the table of contents page, it looks a little bit like this. You'll see that we have uh, laid out the book for you in such a way that it'll be a help. We have an Old Testament timeline, suggested memory verses. I would encourage you all to look for memory verses in Isaiah. We had a great one on the the screen today uh, about running. um, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's from Isaiah. There are a lot of great passages of scripture and we made some suggestions for you on page eight on memory verses that you can um, that you can commit to memory during this time on page nine there's a 10-day reading plan for isaiah and it starts with day one day one could be the day uh, if you feel led to uh, dive in and, and read the book of isaiah in the next 10 days here's a reading plan to help you do just that. On page 10, there's a different reading plan. It's uh, 10, 11, and 12. That's a read through Isaiah in a month. And so day one, once again, doesn't have to be the first day of the month. It could be today. So you can start today, write the date in there. And so we did all this because we want you to dive in to Isaiah. As we fly in today and we get a look at what we're going to be Uh, the preaching series and what will be preached over the next several months as the Lord wills. We want you to have a good picture of where we're going, but uh, this hopefully will help you get into the Word even more. I will also say this, if you go back to the table of contents page here, as you're looking at that, um, note that almost every, beginning with Isaiah 1, that represents, that's a a message. We will have an a message on Isaiah 1. That's next week. Brother Ken will be preaching that. Isaiah 5 is the next um, message that will be preached. Brother Ken will be preaching that as well, Lord willing. That's page 26. And you'll see that we didn't put the entire book of Isaiah. My original thought was, yes, let's put the entire book of Isaiah and then have the other pages for journaling, taking notes, seeing what the Lord lays on your heart. But then we got to seeing how thick the book was going to be. And it was actually going to be almost three times bigger than what we did. So we have focused in on certain select passages. And i got to tell you, it was hard to say, we're going to do Isaiah 1, Isaiah 5, and Isaiah 6, and not do Isaiah 2, for example, Isaiah 3. It, it was very difficult. That's been the hardest part of the process so far. So, so just like Dr. Dyer prepared this for our trip to the Holy Land, we prepared this for your trip into Isaiah. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece today, that you would speak through me the words that you want this body of believers to hear. I ask you that in faith, Lord, trusting that you've heard my prayer and that it is offered from a sincere heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Do you love good music? Isaiah is a veritable hymn book of great Christian music. Maybe you've heard this song. Gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. You know it? Down by the riverside. That's from Isaiah. And the chorus. I love the chorus. Gonna study war no more. Gonna study war no more. That is from Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4. How about holy, holy, holy. That's from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. How about this passage of Scripture? Isaiah chapter 52, 7. We're coming out of the Christmas season. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who bring good tidings. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. That's from Isaiah. And if you've heard the Hallelujah Chorus, you may know that that's from Handel's Messiah, the most famous oratorio of all times. And you know, Handel is a great Christian. He loved the Lord Jesus. And he went to the Old Testament for inspiration. And of course, you know he's going to draw from the Psalms as he's writing this incredible praise oratorio. And he used the Psalms a lot, but he used Isaiah twice as much as he used the Psalms. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. For unto us a child is born. All that's from Isaiah. So if you love good music, Isaiah is a hymn book that the hymn writers go to over and over. It's a treasure trove of great music. Do you love prose and poetry? Isaiah is a library of inspiration. Listen to these. Listen to how these passages ring. Tell the righteous it will be well with them. Woe to the wicked. How about this? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Think about this passage. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. How about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2? The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah 9, 6 mentioned it just a minute ago. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. How about this? A root or a shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse. You can just see the visualization. Isaiah is talking about a stump, a tree that's been sawed off. And now here a shoot is moving up from it. How about this passage? And a little child shall lead them. Talking about God, he says... He will swallow up death forever. One of my favorite, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. I woke up this morning with that ringing in my ears. 
Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light has come. So if you love good music, if you love good poetry, if you love good pose, prose, Isaiah is the place for you. It's a great place for inspiration. But it's so much more than just music and poetry and prose. It is a mountaintop of prophecy. I know some of you really are intrigued by the end times and want to know how it's all going to end. Well, Isaiah is epic when it comes to the end times. It is the most incredible Old Testament book full of prophecy. It tells us over and over what God is going to do. And then we see that he does it. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. Isaiah saw what the people of his day could not see. He saw what was going to happen. He saw empires rise and fall. Israel was strategically located at the confluence of great world empires, the Egyptian world empire. The Assyrian empire is rising to great prominence during Isaiah's lifetime. He predicted the rise of of Assyria. He predicted the fall of Assyria. He saw Babylon rise. He knew that Babylon was going to take Judah into captivity. He predicted it and it happened. He knew that Persia would then destroy the Babylonian empire. And 100 years before Cyrus the Great was born, Isaiah predicted that he would be born and named him a hundred years before he was born. Isaiah predicted that Judah will be judged. Egypt will be judged. Assyria will be judged. Babylon will be judged. And he predicted that he would restore his people to their own land through the work of Cyrus the Great of the Persian Empire. These prophecies are amazing. They're great. They lend credence to the truthfulness and veracity of the Scriptures. But the prophecies that are nearest and dearest to our heart are the prophecies of the Messiah. It's a no small thing to predict that a great leader will arise whose name is Cyrus, who will dominate the world. And Isaiah did that a hundred years before he was born. But the prophecies of the Messiah are truly amazing. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. He prophesied that the government would be on his shoulders, that he would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Prince of Peace. More than that, Isaiah promised us that not only would the Messiah come as born of a virgin, but he would actually be God himself. In that list of names, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would actually be God. He is named there. His names are... Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the divinity of the coming Messiah is prophesied in Isaiah. And Isaiah also prophesied that there would be no end to his reign. But before his reign could be completed, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would suffer on our behalf. Those two chapters, Isaiah 52 and 53, are amazing chapters that tell in great detail how the Messiah, the suffering servant, will be stricken for us. It's an amazing roadmap for the path that Jesus will walk to the cross. 
And these prophecies were spoken 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. So we have prophecies of great world empires. We have prophecies of the Messiah. But we also have prophecies of the millennium. A coming time of peace. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. I can't help it. Let's go to Isaiah 2 for just a minute. Isaiah chapter 2. I said I wasn't going to do it, but let's, I just can't stay away. The word is so strong, so powerful. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Isaiah chapter 2 is one of the chapters that we did not put in the book. So pop your Bible open, look at it there. Isaiah chapter 2, here's a prophecy about the latter days, the end days, the millennium. Everyone will know the house of the Lord. There is coming a time when Jerusalem will be the center of the world, both spiritually, politically, economically. Jerusalem is going to be it. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and that may we, we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that everyone will know the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that everyone will know the law of the Lord. It will be a great time of peace and stability and civility. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 talks about this peace a little bit more. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many people. And they... And here's another great poetic phrase. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So the millennium is prophesied in Isaiah 2. We learn so much about this coming time of peace. We understand that everyone will know the house of the Lord. Everyone will know the law of the Lord. Everyone will know the peace of the Lord during this time. Politics will be redeemed. And we, the redeemed, will reign with Jesus. Jerusalem will be redeemed. It will be the capital of the world. Israel will be redeemed. It will be the nation. Everyone will recognize its primacy. The wilderness and the deserts will be redeemed. Isaiah chapter 33 verse 6 says that the the deserts will be watered and will produce bountiful harvests. Lion and lamb will lie down together. Isaiah chapter 11. And a little child shall lead them. I was uh, doing sermon preparation last night. Chris Rice was playing in the background. And just, there it goes. A reference to the lion and the lamb. Isaiah has so much influence. So if you like great music, if you like great poetry and prose, if you love prophecy, Isaiah is the place for you. And if you love theology, you got to camp out in Isaiah for a while. Because no book in the Old Testament does a better job of helping us understand the big picture that what God is doing with His Word and through His people. It is an incredible Old Testament book that tells us what God is up to. When you're sharing the truth of the gospel with your friends and your family and your neighbors, with those who need to know the good news, sometimes there's a framework that you can use. We start with God. And Isaiah helps us see that God is 
Awesome. He's enthroned in heaven and the earth is his footstool. Footstool. You know how much time I, I spend thinking about my footstool? Not much. It's just there for my comfort. But what Isaiah is showing us is that if you look at how big and awesome and great God is, and if you've ever peered through the Hubble telescope and looked at the universe, you can see that we're just a tiny little dot in an ever-expanding universe. Isaiah says that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. We see in Isaiah, we see God. We see that he's holy. We see that he created man, yes. Why did he do it? So that we could determine our own course, run our own race, do what we want to do any way we want it? No. He created us so that we would return and reflect glory back on him. He loves his creation. He loves his creatures. But he will judge the wicked. We see that God, this awesome God, sent his only begotten son into the world to bring salvation. So if you're thinking about a theological framework for understanding, start with God. Isaiah does. But he also tells us about the next component in our theological study, and that is man. In Isaiah, we see that man is created in God's image, but he has fallen. He has joined up with Satan in rebellion against God. We as humans, we love our sin, and we really love our idols. Our righteousness, if there is any of it, is as filthy rags. That's from Isaiah. Even godly Isaiah, when he's talking to the Lord, says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah helps us see that God is awesome, man is created, and man cannot save himself and is in desperate need of a Savior. So we have God, we have man, now we have Christ. When we're understanding a the theological framework for our lives, no Old Testament book shows a clearer picture of Christ than Isaiah. Born of a virgin, a shoot off the stump of David, he will live a sinless life, die a sinner's death, raised from the dead, chooses and loves his bride, and will one day return to judge the world. All of those prophecies are in Isaiah. So we have God, we have man, we have Christ, and all of this demands a response. In Isaiah, we see in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 11, that salvation is not by works. We see that repentance and faith alone save. And we see that man must respond to God in his generous offer of salvation. And through all of this, as we look at the theological framework of Isaiah, of God and man and Christ and our response, through all of this, we see that God so loved the world. He had a mission for the Lord, for the world. Isaiah 49, 6, listen to this incredible verse. In Isaiah, Father tells his son, I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the world. This is God the Father speaking to Isaiah, his Jewish prophet, and he's telling him that he's going to save the world through his son. That's Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. That is stunning to a Jewish prophet. But it was always God's plan to redeem the nations and to do it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And over and over in the book of Isaiah, God says, 
come to me. He's like James, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. He tells us over and over and over that we are to respond to God. Having knowledge of God is good, but it's not enough. God demands a response of us. He, res- he demands that we respond to Him in faith. And once we have done that, He invites us to invite others. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, look at that. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Are you, are you willing to share the good news with those who have not yet heard? Isaiah says, Once you know, you invite others to come. All of that is part of God's great mission of reaching the world. And what an honor for us to be a part of his mission. He has called us and he is asking us to be faithful and to do that by asking other people to join us as we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, throw our lives onto him and then follow him in obedience. Well, I hope that we've been able to give you a little bit of a 10,000 foot view of Isaiah as some themes and some uh, different things that we'll be studying and, and learning from as we go. And I'm so excited that you're going to journey with us uh, through this time. And I pray that you will use the journal and that you will study the Word and that you'll be ready for each message each Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for such an incredible book, a book that in so many ways is intimidating. In, in so many ways... It's so deep. Um, I think about when we started working through the sermon series with John, and Lord, you blessed us through that. And that was an intimidating book of the Bible as well. But it was so familiar. We, we know the stories of Jesus talking to Nicodemus or Jesus talking to the woman at the well. So there was a little bit more familiarity. Now we're going back to the Old Testament. And we're seeing that it was always part of your plan to redeem the nations through your son Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we will be faithful, that we will find your word and we will preach your word, the whole council, and that you, Lord, will bring fruit. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus.